Hey, I am so excited for the interview that you're about to watch. This is a powerful story about a young girl who moved to Burma all by herself at 24 years old and started building rescue homes pulling young girls out of child trafficking and providing a space for them to know God's purpose for their life. We recorded this on a Wednesday night upstairs in one of our secondary chapels we use. So the, uh, the area that we're shooting at is in a different type of room than what you might be used to watching our videos here online. But still, this amazing story I think is gonna impact you in a great way. Let's get right into the interview, Learning to Lead with Lana from Thailand. We are joined tonight with the hero herself, rescuing these children. Yeah, give her a big hand, Lana Vasquez. Awesome, awesome. Wow, we applaud your efforts. Come on, what, a, what an amazing story. So, Talk a little bit, Lana, about what what inspired you to move to Thailand, and where did you where where were you from before Thailand? Okay, I was born and raised in Southern California, and um, got radically saved at age 19, and came out here to go to Bible school. And at age 24, I knew I had heard about child trafficking. It was before uh, child exploitation, child trafficking was this hot topic. And I knew on the inside that I had to do something about it. Uh, when I had gotten radically saved at 19, I made a personal vendetta to God that one, I would tell as many people in my generation in my lifetime about Jesus and what he did for me. And number two, that I would protect innocent children. So when I heard about this, I heard about how little girls virginity can go for as much as $3,000 in Bangkok. I heard businessmen going over there for children specifically. And in my heart, I said, no, I have to do something about it. So we went over and... Um, uh, started with 52 kids, 24, year old, 24 years old. I had one house mama, uh, one cook that was stealing the food, one interpreter that spoke like 20% English, and I had a miracle moped that we'd fit like five children on, and you could run faster than the miracle mopeds. So. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I feel like you like there's so much to that story yeah. we didn't we don't know yeah. like the details. So yeah. I'll give you more. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Good. Because I was like, whoa, like. <laughs> okay, so let, let's talk about this. Yeah. What, when, how old were you when you moved to Thailand? 24. 24 years yeah. old. Moved there by yourself or family members? Um, no, no. Uh, we, I had one other girl that helped, and we had a kind of like a pioneer team that came over for two weeks. Some of them are actually here right now. And then it was just me and this other girl that was even younger than me. I think she was 22, 21 at the time, and we started the home. I was only supposed to be there for two months because my heart and, um, and focus was set to Brazil. I was going to go work with the street kids in Sao Paulo, Brazil. But two months turned into six months. Six months turned into a year and a half half a year and a half turned into 17 years and um and we're still going to go to brazil and start homes for children in brazil thailand's number one in the world for child prostitution brazil's number two in the world in 2014 the last numbers that they got were there are 800,000 children under the age of 18 forced into prostitution and brazil was 500,000. and so we are still going to brazil but i just haven't been able to leave thailand for 17 years so wow. <laughs> the kids won my heart I never came back. I went from Tulsa to Thailand. <laughs> never Are you going to write a book about this? Yeah. Tulsa to Thailand. Yeah. That's a good title or a chapter right there. Uh, so 
Did you have all the money when you left? No. no. You, you, you went with a step of faith, believing that God was going to start providing along the way. Yes. Did you have people committed, like donors? Absolutely not. So that's that's actually a miracle story that we were talking about on the way here. Um, I Because I was actually a go-go dancer in the clubs of Hollywood, radically saved, new to the church world. Um, and so I didn't know Christians. I didn't know church. I didn't know that you raise money for mission support or anything like that. And so I actually, like, I just worked hard and saved my money and paid my own way. Go figure, you know to go on a missions trip and I didn't so that's all like I didn't know how to do anything else and when I was going to Thailand actually money for my ticket was due the very next day it was a thousand dollars and so I'd flown back to California to say bye to my family and to say I'm going to be gone for a while to see my grandma and I went to this little itty bitty church of God that I got saved at it was like a hundred people and I remember they said okay we're going to pray for you and and you know be safe and we're going to send you off and they gave me a check and I was walking out and I opened the check and it was a hundred dollars. And I said, God, I'm really thankful for this hundred dollars, but it needs another zero or I'm not going to Thailand tomorrow. And, uh, and so I was walking out of the car and just discouraged in my heart. And all of a sudden this woman runs up to me and she said, and she's crying. And she said, Lana, Lana, wait, wait, I have something for you. And she handed me this envelope and it, and it felt thick. And she said, God told me to give this to you. It's for the rescuing of children. And so I said, okay, thank you so much. Prayed with her got in the car, I opened it up and it was 10, $100 bills. And, um, and so what happened, the crazy story with that is she was a hairstylist. She was a single mom, same thing. She married her drug dealer, got radically saved. And, um, and he was a contractor and just a single mom. And actually it was her couch money. And so, uh, it was, so she was saving those hundred dollar bills and she had 10 of them and she was going to go buy a couch after service on that Sunday. So instead, and when she was sitting in the service, the Lord said to her, give Lana your couch money. And, uh, and, and then, so she said that she got up, she missed the whole service. She went into the foyer to the bathroom, got on the floor and just cried. And she said, are you sure God? She said, is it not just because I love Lana? Are you sure God? And God said, again, give Lana your couch money. She had been saving up for this couch. And so, and so she came out and she said, okay, I give it to the rescuing of children. So I didn't see her. I went to Thailand and didn't come back for a year and a half. So that year and a half, I said, can I meet with you and your husband, please? I want to tell you. And so we, I, I went, I had dinner. I said, do you understand? You sent me to my destiny. Do you understand? your obedience rescued children do you understand you you changed my whole life you sent me on my destiny do you understand the faces that are on the other side of your obedience of what you did of your couch money and uh, and so anyway she started crying and she said and, and that's what she said it was for the rescuing of children do you know that that woman today now has her own she's on my board and she has her own full service salon with 38 chairs and her husband and her husband is the largest contractor in Southern California. You know, is that not crazy? Come on. Come on. <laughs> that is an awesome. That's another chapter in your book. Yes. <laughs> couch money. Give God your couch money. Give, Give God, God your, your couch, couch money. <laughs> we are writing a book. This is powerful. You're writing a book. I'm just giving you ideas. Uh, Thank you. I need them. I need them. But that's amazing. I think so often people are afraid to step out because they're not sure if God's going to show up. Yeah. You know, I think people are afraid. What if I go to Thailand and, it, and the money doesn't come? What if, I, what if I take a risk? What if I... So talk a little bit about how you overcame some fears in moving to this country mm -hmm. by faith 
financially, overcoming fears of finances, overcoming fears of protection, mm -hmm. how you were going to survive out there. Yeah. Share a little bit about that side of it. Yes, um, I can. The, the thing is, is I just did it. And, you know, and that's the thing is if you let fear hold you back and paralyze you, that's all fear is false evidence appearing real. And, and I, and I just did it. I just stepped out and I just did it, you know, and just taking that first step, I feel like is half the battle. Yes. And, um, and you said even overcoming that, that fear in the, with money and finances and how we're going to do it every step of the way God has been faithful. And I think that is the thing. It's like, I've seen his faithfulness every every at every turn at every second I've seen wow. his faithfulness and a, a crazy story of God's faithfulness is our promised land um, we have 25 acres and we have it's called the promised land and we just built our 16th family style safe home there on the promised land and it was at a time where I didn't even have money to buy rice um, it was a time where babies were going for $18 and so and, and I was I was so just at this hard part because the phone would ring the local clinic in the hospital and the border control that were on speed dial for all of them. So they would call us and say, I have a baby. And I'd say, well, I can't even feed the kids I have right now. And so what, you know, what happens if I don't get this baby? And they said, you have 72 hours to get this baby. And if not, it'll end up in the wrong person's hands. And, and we saw, we saw babies, uh, we rescued babies that were on the market for $18 or already sold for $18. So we saw what they did to them. And so that pressure on me, I remember it's so hot in Thailand. It's, it's very much like like uh, Tulsa. And, and so I feel right at home as soon as I landed. But I remember looking at my air conditioner unit and just saying, okay, I can sell that and get $500 for that. And we'd saved up for that air conditioner unit. And so, okay, I could sell that and get $500 and I could feed my baby's rice for half of a year. And so I that's how desperate we are. And if you're going to sell your air conditioning in Tulsa, you know how desperate you are, you know, that that's de desperation. And so actually we were coming back. I, I um, spent the last of my savings account to come and get this little Little girl right here that's on the front row she runs she runs my homes in Thailand she went when she was 19 years old and uh, and comes and she runs all all of our children's homes in Thailand but she was graduating from Bible school here and I didn't want her to get detoured or distracted from a young male and I wanted her to come and take care of my babies and run my homes so I flew out here for her the graduation and got her on the next plane back to Thailand with me and uh, and so so I spent all that I had I spent all of all of the money to get here and I said, God, what am I going to do? I spent all of the money. I don't know how I'm going to uh, buy rice when we get back to Thailand. I don't know what's going to, you know, what are we going to do? And I was just stressed and, and I was really just overwhelmed. And it's a hard situation when you know it's, it's a responsibility that no person can carry, you know. And so I just had that. And uh, I had some friends that I hadn't seen in 10 years. And they said, Lana, come and stay with us when you come. And, and, and we, we just want to take care of you. We want to hear what God's doing. And I said, okay. Hadn't seen him in 10 years. I go and she makes me this lovely meal and we sit down and he said, Lana, what's your million dollar 10 year God dream? And I just remember thinking, you American, you know, you my million dollar 10 year God dream. I just need rice for my babies, you know, like, and you, you're thinking this huge thing. I just need rice to feed my babies. And I said that in my mind, like in my mind to wow. him, thank God. I didn't say it out of my mouth and out of my mouth said, 
I, um, I need land because I can't rent my vision anymore. It's too big. I need to build the vision. And so I need land. Uh, and, and, and out of my mouth, I said that I need land. And I said, well, what, in my mind, I'm saying, what am I saying? Why am I saying I need land? Tell me you need rice. Tell me you need rice. What are you saying, Lana? And I'm having this internal conflict. And he said, well, so and I still don't know what he does. And, and I haven't talked to him for 10 years. He goes, well, I know a little something about land. Let's draw out your vision. Let's draw out what you're saying. And so he starts pulling it out of me. And it's this acreage and these family style safe homes and, and just and this big thing. And he said, half a million dollars, you need wow. half a million dollars. And I said, half a million dollars. I said, you know, like, and I just remember thinking that in my head. And so, uh, and so again, I'm tired, I'm jet lagged, I'm stressed. And so I said, half a million dollars. So I said, I'm going to go to bed. Please don't wake me up tomorrow morning. I just want to rest. You know, I'm just overwhelmed. I just want to rest. I didn't tell him that I didn't have rice when I got home for my babies. I didn't tell him anything like that. So I'm going up the stairs and I'm grumbling $500,000, $500,000, you Americans, you know, and just thinking this in my, in my head. And then I go in, I, I go to sleep and I just remember laying on the bed and just saying, God, something's got to give. I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm doing what you asked me to do. Like something's got to give. And, um, and I just remember a tear just streaming down my face. That's wow. just, uh, that's, that's how the point that I was at the next morning, his wife wakes me up. She's shaking the bed and she said, get up, Lana, get up. Aaron got you a, a meeting with his boss. They want to build children's homes. They want to get you land. Get up, get up. You have a lunch appointment with all of them. Get up, get up. And so, and she said, and as I started to sit up, like I literally started to sit up. And as I started to sit up, um, I heard the voice of the Lord say, and I did it all while you were sleeping. Wow. He said, he said, Come on. He said, I don't need you to figure it out. I don't need you to stress about it. I don't need you to figure out how you're going to fulfill my will on the earth, how you're going to feed my children, how you're going to do my will. Wow. He said, all I need you to do is trust and obey me. Can you do those two things? Can you trust and can you obey me? And I said, yes, sir, I can. And it comes from that passage in Psalms 127. It's vain for you to stay up late, to rise up early, to eat the bread of anxious toil. For so he gives to his beloved even while they sleep. God gave us... 25 acres, even while we slept. And when we stepped on that promised land, I knew the promise of the Lord came to me that our trees would bear fruit in season. It was given to us by the Thai, Burmese, Chinese mafia. It was supposed to be no joke. It was supposed to be a gambling casino brothel resort with every kind of evil work on there. And when we got it, when we sold, I had mafia bosses in my living room and I said, please, it's for the children. It's for the children. Lower 50,000, lower, lower. And they, they finally looked at me he said, little girl, we don't even need the money. We're going to take it off the market if you don't stop, you know, asking us to Lord. I said, okay, just sign right there. Just sign right there. <laughs> and, uh, and so, so we got it from the Thai, Chinese, Burmese mafia. And we walked in, there were seven tree orchards and it's just, I mean, it looks just beautiful like the garden of Eden. And the Lord spoke There's to me and he said, yeah, this is it right here. Um, if you can pull it up a little bit, if you could go, oh, there you go. I think there's another one. If you could go to the other one, cause there's another angle that you can see. And, uh, yeah, 20, five acres. And he said, your trees will bear fruit in season. Your rain will come in season. And upon this land, you shall have no lack. And the Lord promised me that we would never lack for rice or food again and doing come on. his will. So come on <laughs> chapter number four, while you were sleeping, <laughs> this is awesome. Lana, God is amazing. Yes, your is. story is so inspiring. 
like within the first two minutes of the video, I was inspired, but how many of you are already just like so inspired by this story? Okay, so we asked you this question. You're not married. You don't have children, but you do have children. How many kids do you have? 145. 145 (laughs) kids. Amazing. I have all these questions, and I'm like, which one do we go to? The promised land is so amazing. You called that acreage the promised land and the houses. Explain a um, family-style home. Explain what that looks like. So in this and in, in doing this and, you know, we've been doing it for 17 years and we saw people do children's homes and orphanages and I just felt like we were kind of doing it wrong with the right heart. And I felt like what the Lord said, he takes the solitary and puts them in families. And I felt like these kids, they needed to see a mother that didn't sell them, a stepfather that didn't sneak in and abuse them, that we needed to raise productive members of society and they needed to see that family unit. And every child has a right to a mother and a father and a family and a healthy family style unit and so it's the first ever done in Thailand it's never been done it's called family style safe homes the government has actually adopted our model because of it and so we take the children we put them we give them a house mama a house father they'll have um, the house parents will have their own children it'll be like a hybrid just a molecule family and they learn how to do normal things that we take for granted like go to the market with your mom or sit there and cut vegetables and talk and and just have any kind of normal relationship and this is because when we raise them up, and the, and the crazy thing is as well, a lot of our house parents are like Bible school teachers, they're Sunday school teachers, they're pastors, they're evangelists, so our kids are being raised by like five-fold ministry gifts and discipled in the home, and so that, and that's just crazy. So they're getting mini Bible school in their home. They get rescued out of the, 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 the worst things that you could ever think of, and then they're raised in a mini kind of Bible school setting so that they can be launched out to change their own nation. And so it is just, it, it's never really been done. It's too expensive for usually, you know, a, a, a nonprofit to do it that way, but it's the way that the Lord has showed me, and so we have 16 family-style safe homes now. 16. Now, yeah, yeah that's amazing. Victory has now has been involved with you through Sarah Caleb for how long now? Gosh, over six years. We want to say like seven. The last six years. years. And then here this year, we we launched something called the 12 and 12 as a church. And we got involved with you this year to help with these. Tell everyone what they have gotten to be a part of this year with you. Yes, absolutely. If you can put that promised land picture back, because I want to show them where. So the crazy thing is, um, if you can look, so here on the other side of the mountain is Burma, and then to the left is something called the ASEAN Highway. Now, ASEAN is the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, and it's like the European Union when it came together. All these Southeast Asian nations are coming together and forming a union, and we just got property another 17 acres right along that highway and so it's connected to the promised land and actually we're moving our older boys and doing boys family style safe homes on that area we have a girl safe home that's on a separate location how many of you know it's wise to not have teenage boys and teenage girls walking around together and so so we we're able we're going to move our boys to this boys farm vocational agriculture um, area the boys I get I rescue 13 year olds 12 year olds 14 year 
13-year-olds, they need something to do with their hands. They're ours. They need a hope. They need a future. So on it, we're going to so have good. vocational training centers. So we're going to have a, a motorcycle repair, welding, all these things that can be used in Southeast Asia. And it's in four, you guys have built four of the safe homes for the boys on that property, on that, that new 17 acres. Come on, Victory. Victory helped do this. Yes, yes. Your Crazy. generosity. Come that's, on. That's not it. Okay, so the, that boy, that property, that 17 acres is also going to be our new rescue headquarters for the ASEAN Highway. Right now, our um, security is being trained by the same guys that train the anti-trafficking task force in Cambodia. And so basically, we have authority, the same as police, to set up a border monitoring system right along the ASEAN Highway so that our men, life impact, our men can go in, can apprehend the next child from China, Bangladesh, Cambodia, um, Malaysia, Singapore, all these different areas. So it's not just Thai, it's not just Burmese, but on this property and on that same area with the boys home, we'll be able to apprehend and rescue children from that highway. You can see the lights of the highway from that rescue headquarters area and from the boys um, farm agriculture vocational training center. That's amazing. <laughs> so again, this you know, I think about how God stirs people's hearts yeah. in specific themes. This began stirring in my sister Sarah's heart yeah. um, more than 10 years ago. And knowing how this, our church connected with you. And now you were telling me tonight that because there's not a spirit-filled, faith-filled church there, y'all are watching Victory. Y'all are having Victory service online. You're our church. You could ask Larissa. You're our church. We watch you guys every Sunday. You're our church. There's no English-speaking church on our border. You're our church. <laughs> wow. So it's like we're, we, God has connected these yes. two stories together. Yes. Um, th there's something you've had so much favor with the government. Yes. Like you said, that the government now, this border patrol, when, when, what are they required to do when they rescue a child? Yes. So um, the government, the Thai government. So I, Thailand is 90, 98% Buddhist government and uh, very much like all the countries around us. And so it is crazy to have, to be Christian, to be the minority and have favor with the government. But um, I was, it goes back to, I was at this conference in Brazil, a pastor's conference, world changers conference. And the pastors called me up and they prayed for me. And they said, Lana, government, no governments are going to come to you and ask you what to do with the children of their nation. Nation. And God is going to put the answer on the inside of you. And from that, you're going to have the answer and you're going to help set up social welfare systems in the closed nations of the earth. And that's how you're going to get into the nations is through the back door of their children. And so that was spoken to me in October. And so come about January, February, all of a sudden I get a call from the governor of our whole entire province, not just my border, but our whole entire province. And he said, uh, we need a secret meeting with you. We need you to clear out your office, the governor's coming. So we set up a secret meeting in my office. Uh, only the head people can be there, only our, our department heads. And he sat down and he said, we heard what you're doing. At that time, we had 60 children. And we had, I, I, I wouldn't recommend trying this at home, but we had kidnapped some kids from the mafia. And so like we'd take the mafia, had them. So we just, we took them off the streets. And that's before we were governor. I don't recommend doing this. Like I said, it was the grace of God. And that kid Come was going to die. Come on, Liam So we had Take to it. do that. Yeah. And so, so, so that's what we did. So the governor said, we know what you're doing. You've done it illegally, 
but we really like what you're doing. We know about you already. You think you're, you're, you're quiet, but we know about you already. Will you do what you're doing, but will you do it for the government of Thailand? And, um, and so the governor said that. And as soon as he said that, I heard in my heart, don't ask for money. And so his next, and I said, yes, sir, we will. And he said, uh, so the, he said, my next question is, do you, would you want money? And I, and out of my, my mouth said, no, I want two things. Uh, I don't ask for money. Ask for two things. Uh, um, citizenship for all of my children, because all my children are trafficked from Burma. So they're stateless children. So they're looked down upon They're migrant children, the refugee children. So they're looked down upon. I said, sir, I want citizenship for all of my children so that they can be productive members in Thai society. And I want authority, same as police so that we can go in and rescue and not, and I didn't tell him this, but all of the brothels are owned on our border by the police. And so we wanted authority so that we can bypass the police and be safe from corrupt police. I said, I want those two things. And he said, done. And so, yeah. So we became the first gov Christian government recognized safe home on our border and uh, it's on the Thai Burma border. So it doesn't stop there. So what happened was Thailand put pressure on Burma and said, these are Burmese children that are being trafficked. You need to do something with your, with your children. You need to do something about your problem. And Thailand and Burma said, well, what are you doing? And they said, well, we have this organization named life impact and they're helping us with our children. And he said, well, will you tell uh, life impact if they'll help us with our children? And so the Thai government put pressure pressure on the Burmese government. So now we're in talks of setting up in a closed military junta ran for over 60 years nation. Um, I mean, like ch the largest amount of child soldiers right under Sierra Leone in the world. We are in negotiations and talks to set up a government recognized safe home and a government recognized system. So, so it didn't stop there. So Thailand, Burma, and then this ASEAN thing, right? So they have dubbed us the Maysop model. And they said, your prevent, rescue, heal model is what we want to use, not just in Thailand, not just in Burma, but all over the ASEAN countries of Southeast Asia. The government, the government wrote a book about our model. And so basically what's going to happen is they're taking our model and all along the border countries, along that ASEAN highway for Southeast Asia, they're taking our prevent, rescue, heal model. And it's not just Thailand, it's not just Burma, but we have favor with the governments of Southeast Asia. So. Wow. It's amazing. So you said Mesot, yes. that is the city that you're in. Yes. What led you to that city and not uh, Bangkok? What led yeah. you to Mesot? Yeah. So I was in Chiang Mai already and Chiang Mai is the second largest city in the, uh, in, in Thailand. And I made the biggest mistake of saying the dumbest thing. I was in the grocery store and Dr. Pepper was in the grocery store and, but it cost a dollar 25. And I said, when Dr. Pepper, I can get Dr. Pepper in the grocery store. I cease from being a missionary. And so, and like the next week, literally I was moved to Mesot and, but I said, I'll never say it again. I'll please send Dr. Pepper, <laughs> you know? And so, but in that I was in there and I was just, everybody started hearing about child trafficking. So a lot of people were starting to start homes in Chiang Mai, which is great. But I just said to God one day, I said, you know, like I, you're a wise businessman and you see the whole earth and you see where you need me. God, I'll go anywhere. I don't have to be in Chiang Mai. I'll go to Pakistan. I could blend into Pakistan. I can go anywhere. Like send me where you need me. And at that time we were working in the war zone um, of Burma. We're going into the war zone.
zone and preaching the gospel in the war zone. And we're in this dirty, dusty border town. And, uh, and that's where you could go to get a shower, a bed and a meal. And so I started asking around, are there safe homes here? Are there safe homes here? You know, and, and everybody said no. And, and there was a thing that the Lord said to me too. And I was just praying about this and praying about, you know, I, I'll go anywhere, send me anywhere. And I just heard this in my heart. If you want to catch fish, you go to the mouth of the river. You don't wait downstream to where the fish come and there's all these other people fishing. You go to the mouth of the river and you stop it at the gate. And so when I heard that, I knew he was talking about go to the border town where these children are trafficked and stop it right there at the root. Stop it right there at the gate. Wow. I love that. Stop yeah. it at the gate. Yeah. This is so good. Tell us about the method of prevent, rescue, and heal. What happens during the week? What would be a daily schedule itinerary for these children? They wake up, and what happens before they go to sleep? Okay, there's the two. So I'll tell you prevent, rescue, heal. Yeah, that's two questions. <laughs> so prevent actually is our prevention projects. We have over 500 children that were daily, weekly, monthly stopping from being sold. If we weren't in their community, they would be sold tomorrow. So we target the pools where the traffickers target. So I have a garbage dump where there's 300 people that live in the garbage dump. So there we're set up. We do a discipleship. We do a woman's Bible study. We do a feeding uh, program there every week. Every week we're in their lives so that in talking them out, you don't need to sell your baby. You don't need to sell one child to feed for. We'll help you. We'll walk with you. And then we end up discipling them in that area. And so they stop selling their children. So we have, uh, it could look like a feeding center in the dump. It could look like a school in a migrant community where the kids, they just labor in the fields and then they're sold down to Bangkok at 14. Wherever the pools that the bad guys are going there, we get there first. We set up camp and we take that area. And we basically talk to the people and we change the, the community's heart from darkness to light and say, there's a way you don't have to sell their ch your children. So that's, awesome. that's weekly, daily, you know, I, we have, so we have a team that just our prevention is just as big as our rescue and heal. So we have a team, we have 65 national staff, about half of them are house mamas, house fathers, the rest are on prevention, evangelism, going into these areas. So that's prevent rescue is we are on the government rescue task force. There's five people on, it's called the multidisciplinary task force. And so that, um, it's the head of police, it's the border control, it's the governor, a social welfare worker. And then, which we're training our own girls going to be in that place soon. And then it is the life impact child protection officer that I led to the Lord and baptized three years ago. So life impact has a voice for the voiceless and the vulnerable for rescue. We get to say we are on every rescue that goes on on our border. And so the other one is heal. And that is our long-term aftercare. So when these kids uh, get rescued on our border, what happens is by law and decree of the kingdom of Thailand, they must come through life impacts doors. And at that time we get a chance to tell them about Jesus, the rescuer of their soul and their little hearts. And so it's pretty amazing. Um, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so daily schedule for the kids. So our uh, rescued kids that are with us, we try to make their life as normal as possible. They, we try to get them in school as soon as possible, just so they can have a normal life. They are not orphans. They are not victims. And, and they, we don't treat them like that. They're kids. That, it's like Disneyland, honestly, for them now. And we have one little boy that was a, a child slave. He was 10 years old. He was chained to the uh, wall. He had to take care of the buffaloes. He is sold from his mom to his auntie. And when, uh, he, when he just 
just be a kid and play. The neighbor, they would just beat him. The owner would just beat him. And the neighbors said they had to turn around and because they couldn't see, they couldn't watch this little boy get beaten that bad. And so he was a child slave. And in that, so when we rescued him, when we got out, I had my staff never cries. When we're on rescue, we're, that's our deal right there. And so, it, so we're on rescue mode, but they were crying. They said, we've never seen anything like that. His bones were popping out of his chest. Like we had never seen anything like that. And so our staff swooped in. We got this little boy and it's so precious. We put him in our daycare. We have a daycare for our rescued babies. So we put him in our daycare and he, and so he goes, uh, it was, it was nap time for all the babies and toddlers. And he said, I don't want to sleep. Teacher, please. They never let me go to school before. I want to learn. Don't let me sleep. Teacher, please. I want to learn. And then when we started feeding him his meals, he said, you mean I get to eat three times a day? They never eat me. Let me eat three times a day. And they said, you mean I get meat? I never got meat before. You mean, you mean I get to eat meat? And I mean, you need to see the promised land. It's playgrounds. It's a football field. So when these kids get rescued, I'm telling you, their life is like a dream now. It's like Disneyland. So <laughs> so powerful. I'm like fighting back the tears over here. It's so powerful. Honestly, let me just say this, Lana, and I think our church needs to know this if they don't already. I feel like God's revealing this to us. You what Mother Teresa was to the world, I feel like you are the future Mother Teresa. I, I feel like there's, there, like we're witnessing someone right now that over the next 50 years could have the same impact when she's like 75 that Mother Teresa had. Uh, Mother Teresa was doing stuff at a, at a younger age that people didn't know about until she got older. Y'all are getting to see at a young age someone whose life is devoted that I think the world, she'll be sitting on world platforms with presidents of our country, and you're getting to have her on a Wednesday night here in Tulsa. This is special. It's pretty powerful. It's pretty powerful. You've given 17 years of your life. You, you foresee that you're going to give the rest of your life. No Absolutely. doubt about it. I, I wouldn't have this much skin in the game to turn around now. I've given, you You've know, burned the ships. The, right. <laughs> I have too much skin in no the game. No turning back. Too much skin in the game. <laughs> wow. No well, I'm going to let you take the next 10 to 15 minutes to share a word on your heart as we come to, I feel like this, the interview now is it's shifting to, you just need to share your heart with everyone. I'm going to step down there. How many of y'all just want to hear a little word from Lana's heart to us tonight? Thank you, sir. Thank you. Oh, um, you know, in this, in all of this, there's one story that I, I really wanted to share with you tonight. And when we were talking about the government influence and, and just all of that, but I believe that God doesn't want to just use me. He wants to put the answer on every single one of us. And I, I stopped with that part of the government, but recently actually what the, the, even the biggest thing that I didn't get to tell you guys was the third in command of the kingdom of Thailand. So we have the king, the prime minister, and this guy called the Palat, which is the attorney secretary general. Um, equivalent here. He came to the promised land and he walked around and I actually have some pictures if you could put it up. Um, I, he came to the promised land, he walked around and he said, little girl, how come our country doesn't know what you're doing? How come our country, I, how come this is the first time that I've ever heard about you? He said, how did you do this? You're just a little girl. And he said, did, did my government help you? And I said, no, sir, not one bot. Your government didn't give me one bot. And he said, did your government help you? And I said, no, sir, not $1. My government did not give me $1. And he said, who helped you? And I said, my God. And in a 98%... 
in a 98% Buddhist nation. And what the Lord showed me is that the Queen Shebas of the earth are going to come and they're going to see, and they're going to see that I am young and inexperienced. But then when they see what God has done, they're going to say the pagan worshipers, the Queen Shebas of the earth, they're going to come and see, blessed be the Lord, your God, blessed be the Lord, your God. And I believe that in the last days, God wants to put the answers on the inside of every single one of us. And there's a story in the Bible that I wanted to share. Our motto at Life Impact is change a life and change the world. It begins with one life. There was one little girl that you saw in that video, one eight-year-old girl that was sold for $24. And since then, it's resulted in the rescue of 145 children. And there's a story in the Bible about a woman at the well. And I love it because Jesus detoured to this one woman. This, this just has marked my life, and I pray that it marks yours tonight. Jesus detoured to this one woman, and this woman went to the well at the heat of the day, at the hardest, most, um, just the hardest time of her life, at the hottest time of her life, and she went to the well, and she knew because she's, she went when nobody else would be there because she had a past, she had a history, she, had, she just had a whole bunch of junk in her life, and, and so she went where she wouldn't see anybody. She didn't want anybody to see her at all, but Jesus knew where she was at, and Jesus Jesus met her right where she was at. Jesus did not see her faults. Jesus did not see her sin. Jesus saw the need of her heart. Jesus saw that woman different than anybody else had seen that woman. And if you go, this is what has impacted me so much. If you go later on in the chapter and he's talking, the disciples come and the disciples say, eat, master, eat, you know, eat. And, and they're so just inward looking and inward focused and so consumed with so many other things, you know, and I, and I I love what he said. And, and at the same time, he said, the disciples who walked with Jesus, who knew Jesus's heart, who spent time with Jesus, who was with Jesus all the time, the disciples said in their mind, why is he talking? Why is our master talking to this woman? He, they didn't dare say it outside, but they thought it. Why is our pure, holy master even spending time with this woman? He needs to eat. There's other priorities. There's other things that have to be done. There's other places for us to go. There's other people for us to reach. And I love what Jesus said to them. He said, uh, he goes, the harvest, you know, you say that there's four months to the harvest, but I'm telling you, the harvest is right now. And he said, look up, look up, look up your eyes and look out. And you know what always just blows me away with that scripture is that when the, the disciples, when they were talking to Jesus, they weren't looking down, talking to Jesus. They were already looking at Jesus. They were already looking up. But what Jesus was saying was, look up from your inner inward circumstances, everything that you've got going on, look up from all your inward focuses, everything that is just distracting you, look up and see what I see. See out of the eyes that I see. See what I see. Look up and look out. And what I believe is we should all be looking up to the one that is around us, to the one person in our sphere, in our circle, in our world, in our everyday life. We should all be looking to the one around us and we should all be looking out to the world about us. And that woman, the disciples didn't know it because they didn't see that woman the way Jesus saw. But you know, that one life, that one woman, that one messed up woman, she went and she ran back to her village and she said, come meet a man that told me all that I ever did. Could 
this be the Messiah? And the Bible says that many in that village believed because of that woman's word. And then it said, and then many more believed because of that woman's word. This one woman that had a story that didn't want to see one person's face, God changed her whole story. He used that one to reach the masses. And I believe that when we change one life, when we look for one life, then it's like a ripple effect. That one life then ripples to 10 and that ripples to 10 and it results in a world change and a world effect. So I tell you, I just say, start with the one, start with the one. God wants to put answers on the inside of us, solutions to the world's problems. And I want you to believe for it. I want you to believe for God to put an answer to somebody's prayer, to somebody, to some nation on the inside of you. I was not educated to do, to start social welfare systems in Southeast Asia, but God put the answer on the inside of us. God gave us a model. God gave us a blueprint and a plan, and he wants to do the same for you. So I say, look up to the one around you. Look out to the world about you. I was that one woman at the well. I was that one that Jesus came out of his way and met me right where I was at. It's so crazy because my friend said, we don't know how you went from bar girl to Mother Teresa in 0.2 seconds. And so they said, but they said to me, if he could save you, then he could, then there's hope for us because you were the worst out of all of us. And do you know that one by one, all of those friends started coming to the Lord because they saw the change in my life. And do you know, not just my friends, but my family now is 95% saved. My mom is in the back. My mom's in the back. I led her to the Lord. She's in the back. And I'm telling you though, it starts with the one. You are that one. Be the one and see the one. Be the one and see the one. Be the one and see the one. Amen. I want to pray for you. Um, if you can all just close your eyes and bow your head, I want to pray for you. And I'm going to um, also just pray after for the ones that just feel called to missions. Um, like I said, I was that woman at the well. That was my story, and God changed it all around and gave me his story for my life. And I say this, I was rescued to rescue. God rescued me to rescue others. And I believe that he is still in the rescuing business. I see it every day. He is still in the rescuing business. And he, wanna, he wants to rescue you from any situation so that you can go and rescue the ones around you. You know, Jesus didn't see the faults of that woman. He didn't see the sin of that woman. He didn't see. He just saw the need of her heart. He saw the thirst of her heart. And what he said to her is, if you drink from me, you will never thirst again. You will never look. You will never search what you've been searching for this whole time. He is here right now. And I, I am here right now. My name is Jesus. And I tell you that same Jesus that was there that met that woman at the well is here tonight and wants to meet you wherever you are at right here and right now. He wants you to drink from him and you will never thirst. You will never search. You will never look again. So if that's you and you would say, I need rescuing. I need Jesus to meet me right where I am at. If that is you, I'm telling you, and if you want him to rewrite your story, you know, when I gave my life to the Lord, when I got radically saved at 19 years old, 
I made two personal commitments to God that one, I would tell as many people about Jesus Christ in my lifetime that I could. And two, I would protect innocent children. And I tell you, like with the telling as many people in my lifetime, that has been the number one thing of my heart. That has been, because I know nobody ever told me. I was born and raised in Southern California. Nobody ever shared the gospel with me. Nobody ever shared the good news of Jesus and said, there is a way out. There is a way out of this. I Let me tell you, let me introduce you to him. His name is Jesus. He is the man of your dreams and you'll never be the same. Nobody ever shared the gospel with me. Nobody ever gave me a chance. Nobody ever gave me a choice. And so tonight I give you a choice. I give you a way out. His name is Jesus. A way out of pain, a way out of sin, a way out of shame, a way out of discouragement. His name is Jesus and he is here right now. And so if there's anybody in this room under the sound of my voice and you want this Jesus, you want to take this Jesus and you want, he stands at the door of your heart knocking. If you open it up, he'll come in and you'll never be the same again. And if you want this Jesus that I've told you about, if you want him to rescue you from your situation and use you to rescue others, I want you to raise your hand right now if that is you. I'm going to pray for you. That's awesome. I see that hand. Yes. I, that is awesome. That is the best decision that you'll ever make in your whole entire life. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Yes. Best decision you will ever make in your whole entire life. 